welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and the big difference between book four and five. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. <laughs> this week on Forever Canon, we start a brand new book, Fate of the Jedi, book five, Allies, written by Christy Golden. Mm-hmm. Her second book ever of Star Wars, second book of the series, and... Uh, some slight differences between book four and five. But yeah. first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, we finished uh, book four, <laughs> Backlash. Fate of the Jedi, book four, Backlash, written by Aaron Alston. In seemingly the biggest hurry of all time. Yes. And this book, completely different vibe to it right away. For example, chapter one. Aboard the Jade Shadow. And we're back. We pick up literally right where the last book left off. Yeah. Which, that's the kind of continuity I like, you know. It's they've, not always They've necessary. moved into parking orbit, and that's yeah. the only yeah, thing that's happened. Exactly. But you're shit in the park. And here we are, in park, around Dathomir, with Luke, Ben, inside the Jade Shadow, with Vistara captive, and they're being hailed by Sith High Lord Sarasu Talon. Apparently going to be an important figure. He is the High Lord of the Sith, in command of 12 frigates worth of people, and here negotiating with Luke Skywalker. He's the one in charge Mm -hmm. of all the Sith. The one who is, uh, you know, chosen to interact with Luke Skywalker, the biggest power in the galaxy that they know about. So, I'm assuming equally important guy. Yes. High Lord Sarasu Talon, who mentions Abeloth on page five. So what happened in the last book? Okay, because right away we're like, Avaloth, named, threat, described, detailed. What happened in the last book? Yeah. Can't figure that out. But, you know, the reasonable assumption would be it had to do with his heart attack and his poor health. And he was writing books faster to get them finished before his space in the timeline type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. But page five, Avaloth. We went the entire previous book without her name being said, except for on the back cover. Yep. And then never mention again. And then put book five, page five, Abeloth. Don't forget, she's really cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> right away, right away, here's her name. Anyways, anyways. She's cool, she's dangerous, and the Sith want to talk about it. Yeah, they do, because Lord Talon says that Abeloth is affecting the Sith apprentices too, just like she's driving the Jedi mad. And they suggest an alliance between the Lost Tribe of the Sith and Grandmaster Luke Skywalker of the Jedi Order. An alliance between the Sith and Jedi is proposed also on page five. This book is not fucking around. <laughs> no, it's uh, right into high gear. No, it's like, like let's good. Last book felt like stalling the whole time. Mm-hmm. So let's get right to it. I mean, it's printed on the front and back cover, for God's sakes. So why waste time getting to the alliance and and the you know the skywalkers and the sith getting together don't waste any time don't spend an entire book getting them to capture vistara just we're doing the thing okay? yep here we go and they're all like we'll we'll plot a course to the maw and we're all going to go there together and defeat abeloth and we've the alliance is good to go and looks like well maybe we can talk to her and if that doesn't work then yeah. we'll kill her 
And they're like, uh, all right, that seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll try <laughs> talking first. Like, That's, and Luke's like, don't you think I won't kill that bitch if it comes up. <laughs> if it comes down to that, don't you dare think I won't, right? So the tentative alliance is in place. The Jedi and the Sith versus Abeloth. With, of course, Vistara staying with the Skywalkers as almost collateral. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, this will make sure this is uh, this is our insurance that you don't uh, double cross us. And as well, vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got one of yours. You guys have us. It's like Rus- Russian nesting dolls of mm-hmm. captives. I don't know. <laughs> Within the alliance, you know? So, not only across these first five or six pages is everything put into motion and, like, you know, cemented. The the connective tissue between the last book and this book where, like, we ended with the Sith saying, put it in park. And then right away, five pages into this, we're like, okay, out of park. Deal reached. Let's get things. Like, let's make events. Yeah, let, let's get things going. And Christy is started off with, a, like, some broad, a few broad illusions, too. A-illusions. Mm-hmm. She says, or it comes up, I don't remember who says it, I think maybe Luke, that these Sith are a, quote, different flavor. They have a whole civilization. Mm-hmm. And Luke's like, how is that possible? You know, uh, the, uh, another allusion to the whole Jedi versus Sith conflict in general, right? It's ancient, but Abeloth is even ancienter. Yes. Says high Lord Talon, mm-hmm. you know, the battle between the Jedi and the, and the, what are they called? <sighs> the Sith. Yes. Is, you know, older than the, uh, older than the old Republic or something. No, older or, than everything. She says, uh, he says, Abeloth is older than the old Republic. And I'm like. She's older than the Jedi and the Sith. Like, that whole thing. Yep. That, it, the dynamic and interaction. She's pre-everything. She's ancient. She's powerful. We get also some sort of obvious foreshadowing with what I call Dwight Schrute's special rules for alliance. It's things like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep your friends close and your enemies closer. These, like, cliche... Uh, Sort of advice is about delicate alliances type thing. Yeah. Where obviously what we're foreshadowing is the clear disillusion of this alliance. At some point or another, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. And the obvious mistrust that it it doesn't say it on the Sith side that they have for each other. Well, yeah. (laughs) And they have to, you know, come together as title allies. To defeat this ancient, more powerful, common enemy. Keep your friends close and your enemies enemier. And also, we're getting a lot of allusion to Ben and Vistara being together. Mm-hmm. Saying, ben saying things like right away, like, oh, something about her full lips, something about... Uh, yeah, something about when she smiles some, or something. This and that. All kinds of stuff. Luke says also... To make things a little more, even more different for these Sith, right? Um, Vistara is not just full of vices. She also has virtues, right? Now, why say that, Tim? In fact, here's Luke's thoughts on Vistara. But it was, Luke realized, entirely possible that Ben might get a little confused now and then. Vistara was strikingly attractive. And I'd presumably been through things comparable to what Ben had undergone. 
And she was extremely, in fact, exceptionally strong in the Force. It was a combination that might make any father at least a little anxious for his Jedi son's well-being. Why are we saying that, Tim? Why is Luke Skywalker looking at Vistara going, wow, she's almost a perfect character match for my teenage <laughs> son? Yeah. You know, right? Why, why are we saying that? We're alluding to to the fact that this alliance is not... It, it's going to have levels to it. Yeah. Layers, it, like an onion. <laughs> you know, donkey. <laughs> There's layers between the Jedi and the Sith. I don't know. I just... I love... I'm liking... I'm loving... I'm loving the first, you know, whatever, 10 pages of this book that we're through so far. Yeah. Because we've got, like, plenty of exciting setup already. We're going to learn more about the Sith and Abeloth. We're going to watch the Sith and the Jedi together. We're going to watch Ben and Vistara together. And overall, let's just see how different these Sith are compared to Luke's expectations. Yeah. Which all of his information about the Sith is based on this rule of two existence that we've seen over the last thousand years in the galaxy or however fucking long it's been, right? Yeah. It's every every assumption he makes about them, he's just always a little bit off. And me too, sort of, other than, you know... I, I've read these and I have enough wherewithal to know when the main character is making judgmental assumptions about an entire people, <laughs> it's going to be largely wrong. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, these are not the Sith that he's dealt with his entire life. Not even close. Case in point, some things that are mentioned in the first chapter, they're beautiful, mm-hmm. like physically strikingly beautiful. They have nice voices. Yep. And another shocking thing to Luke Skywalker, Grandmaster of the Jedi, 60-year-old adult wisest man in the universe, potentially. They, shockingly, the Sith, have moms and dads. (laughs) (laughs) The star's father, Sith Saber Gavar Kai, ends up aboard the Shadow to come and see his daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's concerned about her. And... They hug, and it blows Luke's mind. Yeah, and there's actually a flicker of, like, love and endearment. Genuine love between the two of them. And he's like, what? This ain't any Sith I never heard of. They lock it down real quick, but... Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we're given that right in the first half of the first chapter. Mm -hmm. or, Or throughout the whole first chapter. We're given... All of these contradictions to the to the way that we think about Sith or the things that we believe about them, and it's just very exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they're we're five pages in, and they're like, shake hands, we're teamed up, let's do the shit. Meanwhile, both sides are for sure going. This alliance is only as good as it is bountiful for one side over the other. Much yeah. like we were told in the last book by by Vistara before she plunked. Holly Ava on that yeah. back of the head with a lightsaber. I wonder when I'm going to have to kill these people. Pretty much. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's work together. Mm-hmm. You know, to take down this big bad. I just... The, the Sith are so different than what Luke expects. Gavar Kai, Vistara's dad, comes over to the shadow. And Luke and Ben let them have a private, in quotation marks, recorded. Mm-hmm. But not uh, personally overseen visit. And they chat about mom, mm-hmm. the layout of the shadow. Sith Apprentice is not going mad. Using Vistara's real attraction for Ben to get close to him and lower his defenses. 
maybe turn him to the dark side and marry him and rule as Sith. Oh, wait a minute. Pump the brakes. Slow down. That's what happens when Vistara gets the slightest spark of hope in her head of turning Ben to the dark side. She's like, oh my God. Her dad tells her, I can tell you actually like the kid. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But similar, a similar echo to what her master told her, which was, you can love anything, as many things as you want. Just never love it more than... Than your duty. Killing it. Yeah. Like... You're everything you love. You are going to have to sacrifice to some degree. Right. And so then her dad comes in and he's like, Oh, I can tell that you, you like this kid for real. That's cute. Use that to your advantage and try, you know, try to get inside a circle and inside his head and get more information out of him. Yep. And it's such, you know, it's, it's the femme fatale trope. It's a honeypot trick. It's, it's pretending to be a Nazi woman and murdering Nazis when they come to sleep with you. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a classic trope, but maybe maybe I'm wrong, but this feels different because she genuinely likes the guy. Yeah. You know, it's not just a cold blooded, heartless thing. Yeah, it's not just the job. It's not it's... just use his emotions because mm-hmm. you're a beautiful woman. It's you clearly like him and he probably likes you because you're teenage beautiful teenagers mm-hmm. who are both Maybe the most powerful in the force. You know, they've both been through similar things. All the shit that Luke was listening off before. Not that the feelings are disingenuous. They are, in fact, real. Mm-hmm. But just lean into that and don't don't f- fool yourself into thinking there's not going to come a time when I have to kill Ben Skywalker. Yeah. If you're going to fall in love with Ben Skywalker, at least get us information you know, and know that it's going to go bad at some point. This is That's essentially the message from her dad, right? Mm-hmm. Play the femme fatale, do the honeypot, but, you know, with general, genuine feelings. I mean, not general. Yeah. Allow your actual feelings to show from time to time. Which is so Sith. Mm-hmm. You have these actual feelings. Use them to your advantage instead of blindly ignoring them. Yeah. As I will bet you, Ben Skywalker is going to try to do. Yeah. You know, she's on a different wavelength. But I just, chapter one is over and I'm all jacked up about yeah, this book, ready man. to go. I don't know if it's in comparison to the last book, which I'm not going to keep shitting on over and over. Obviously, something happened mm. in the process of writing that book where he didn't have the connective details that he needed to use to make the book feel like it was carrying the momentum forward from the first three. Mm -hmm. Like those first three books went hard. And then book four, like all the breaks, Mm -hmm. all of the B R A K E S nothing else broke really, but like enough slow Mm -hmm. down because I don't know what's going to happen or I don't know what I need to do. Or, you know, I don't know. I had a hard time. Yeah. I don't know. But chapter one has me. Here we go. Chapter two. Aboard the Jade Shadow, where Luke is thinking about the treacherous path into the Maw between the two black holes, and he decides this time he wants a ship with an illegal number of tractor beams. So, call Lando. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben and Vistara head down the hallway to cook a meal together, because this is happening, buddy. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. I've been lightly, heavily... <laughs> 
handedly foreshadowing the same thing ever since she showed up, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, we're very obviously being given the measure of Vistara in comparison to Ben. We're not measuring her against Luke. We're not measuring her against her masters. We're almost always measuring and comparing her against Ben in the text. You know? Yeah. Or at least that's the two of them are foils for each other. Yeah, they're always when she's in a scene, he's normally right there. It's and they're always paying attention to each other mm-hmm. because you know for a number of reasons. First of all, because they're both sixteen. Second of all, because they're both hot. Mm-hmm. Third of all, because they're both trying to understand the other enough to undermine the other's entire culture. <laughs> so yeah. like there is a lot there is a lot of tension in that relationship just yeah. inherently. And this, here they go down the hallway to go cook a meal together. But back to Lando's special ship with a special droid crew, the Rockhound. And that's going to be a week until that's ready. The Sith and Luke are all ready. These frigates are all at Dathomir, ready to jump right to the Maw and start kicking some ancient ass. Mm -hmm. But Luke's like, I think it would be easier to get 12 ships through the tiny space between two black holes if I have Lando's special fucking... MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, I'm not really sure why. No, and I'm not sure why he would care about Sith ships going awry on their own through the Maw and losing themselves. Well, uh, he knows. Uh, I, I don't know. Unless, like, he knows how powerful Abeloth is, like, through what he unless, felt. Yeah, in he the... genuinely wants the help. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he's like, oh, if they, they're going to blame me. Because we're going to lead them through the Maw, uh, no doubt, right? Who knows? Yeah, because no one in all those ships has been there. But he definitely wants this special ship, the Rockhound, Mm because it has more tractor beams than you're allowed to have. Uh, It's going to be a week until it's ready, and they're going to rendezvous at Klaatuin, which is not Tatooine or Dantooine (laughs) or any of the early Star Wars planets that were invented that were all Tooines. Yeah. Okay. Yet still all Sandy. But, yes, of course they were, right? Because <laughs> of course they were. Yeah. But I, Klaatuin just, maybe I've just been watching bits and pieces of Starship Troopers too much lately. But I was like, ooh, that just sounds like Clendathu. And where are the big bugs? And also a desert planet. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, take it for what it is. But I would love to see some big bug monsters. P.S. This is the best written Lando Calrissian. That I've I've read in the book so far. Mm-hmm. This is the best version of, I don't know, of his voice. You know, this is the best version of hit, of of Lando being genuine. I'm gonna use that word again a lot. I guess. Yeah, but. and what he's and what I've always thought he should be or was, and just the good friend, right? But also that smooth. You can tell he's an good liar too which is exactly the comparison and the contrast that luke skywalker is giving to us while he's having this uh miniature hologram conversation (laughs) with lando is he's telling us like oh lando always plays it cool but we all know he loves his friends and would do anything for us like oh yeah him and han are always talking about their ships and blah blah blah. and oh i know he definitely won this ship in a in a a sabak game or some sort of gambling debt it's just He'll lay out the stereotypes of Lando, and then somewhere within that conversation, Lando is is subverting that mm-hmm. that uh, assumption about his behavior. Yeah, or or at least proving Luke's point, where he's like, 
He puts on a fake smile and blah, blah, blah. And then Luke's like, hey, the Sith. And he goes, eyes pop out of sockets, jaw drops to the floor. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm worried about my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just this was this little phone call with Lando Calrissian from over space phone with Luke was just I was like, this is just a really good Lando scene. His voice was natural and like all the dialogue, everything was just sounded like it was Billy D. Williams speaking. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. it was it was just really well done. You know, we get these, you know, our uh, our main characters, ancillary friends that pop in and out to do favors and, and get in trouble with them. Like, yeah. Lando, like Wedge, like Tarek, and exactly all those guys. Apparently, Zach's still alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody, right on the outside. But this is this is the best version of that. We Lando was around in in book one. Yeah, when uh, Han and Leia were uh, were on Castle on Castle solving the problems down in the mines and, mm-hmm. and all that jazz, and that. Is covered by Christy Golden in detail through Luke's thoughts. Yes. Luke is remembering the previous events of the books or even the last series and connecting things together for us to bring us into this moment to move this story forward. Yeah. Something that obviously the last book just didn't do because he seemed to just not know what had happened. Yeah. And there wasn't even going back. This is now four books. There wasn't. Even in the last series, there wasn't a whole lot of that. Even it was continuing mm-hmm. on from the previous book. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this happened. Yeah, three yeah there books wasn't. Ago. Not not a lot of like reflective, connective tissue, mm-hmm. where like a character is sitting and thinking about how we came to this moment through the previous events of the past. But it happens a lot in detail across these first four chapters, and in contrast to the previous book, where like. Abeloth's name's on the back cover and not in the text mm-hmm. is, you know, that was all incongruous and disconcerting. And this is very, feels like fucking harmony, man. Yeah. Like it just feels good. If this is how the book starts, I can't wait till. Exactly. Right. And for her to be just, she's pulling details of things when she's telling us about them. Not just like, oh yeah, that one time on, on, I almost said Dantooine cause I'm all stuck in the two leans. What the fuck is it? Castle. Yeah, you know she's not just like oh yeah nondescript uh, version of events on Kessel from book one. She's like Han and Leia went down in the thing and then they told me about this and there was this thing that happened and Alana was called to from the surface and she said it felt sad but scary and what like yeah fucking details 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 man yeah that, I don't know it's so I don't know why it's so good it 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 informs the moment. It gives you a satisfaction for investing in the past. It's just, it's a nice start of paying shit off right away. Yeah. And it, and like, Hey, you read about those things. Here's some thumbs up for you, man. Like, yeah, those things happen and you know about it. Let me put it together <laughs> and see the constant reader. Seal. The, yeah. Like, let me show you a bit of the broader picture of yeah. what you're invested in. Like, like they're all actually in the same universe. Exactly. Everything exists. Wow. Something happened. <laughs> Abeloth has a name. Anyways, my point is just, I don't know. This conversation with Lando is beautiful. He's 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 written so well. Luke is, this is my favorite Luke that we've had in a long time. He's thinking things. He's remembering things. He's saying shit out loud. Yep. He's, you know, he's telling people his plan. Christy Golden's got me all jacked up, man. And then we cut to, quote, well, 
me inserting his name, Ben, liked it when she smiled. Yep. The two of them are in the galley making a meal. Well, Ben is cooking because only slaves cook on the unnamed catch. Because she wouldn't tell him where she's from because they don't want to share too much information. Yep. But Ben and Vistara, he are, are together in the galley. He is making salads for them. They share some blue milk. Their fingers brush against one another. But then they both shut down chitty chatty time. Because alas, poor Romeo, they are from rival families. Yeah. yeah. You know? And they're That's what this is what this is. They realize and Ben especially, because she knows what she's doing. But but Ben is finally realizes I'm giving up a lot here. Yeah, they're sitting there talking and Talking about who usually makes the food, and and then some, for somehow they're talking about 3PO. Yeah. And then he mentions my Aunt Leia, and he's like, oh, shit. I dropped a detail of information that I shouldn't have. And he tries to turn it around on her and start asking her detailed questions about her past. You said you guys were hunters. What do you normally hunt? Well, and she's like, it doesn't matter, because when we're done, they're dead. And then they stop talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Right? That, that tension of spy versus spy. Yep. And... <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say what was the other comparison i made romeo and juliet yeah it is a bit of that but they're both sort of romeo where they are you know powerful and and uh capable of carrying the narrative themselves mm-hmm. but they are both separated from the person that they want to be with by all these impenetrable aeons of hatred <laughs> Yeah, and of conflict that between the Jedi and Sith that the Sith now this this tribe of Sith are a thousand years removed from, from any of it reality. Yeah, they've been stranded on their own planet. That they've been stranded on a strangers' planet <laughs> for a thousand years, which yeah. they've you know taken over. And now they rule it because they have the Force and uh, as yeah. They do. But yeah, you know just. They're 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 star-crossed lovers, worlds apart type of thing. Yes. Their fingers brush while they're eating salad, and it's like the again really just well written. Mm-hmm. The the I don't want to say sexual because that's weird. The romantic tension that's mm-hmm. that's a better phrasing between these two teenagers is so realistic. Like okay, put aside the fact that they're both high level combatants and spies and they have an agenda and they hate each other mm-hmm. put aside that and it's just two uncomfortable teenagers trying to get to know each other yeah and then like yeah. their fingers touch and it's like it's just i don't know man christy golden is just coming into this book and killing it right away like yeah. murdering everything i want oh in a good way yeah yeah you know? like just oh yes <laughs> yeah you know that's my uh that's my my detailed review of this book so far. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> that'll be that'll be at the end in the book review yeah yes although i do have one complaint oh in this set of four chapters and here we go chapter three jag's office on coruscant now oh, here we go jag can't stand javis tears face yep watching tv so he switches over to perry needmo news hour Han's favorite, in case you don't remember. Mm-hmm. And we learn how much smarter, calmer, and better Deveronian females are compared to the males. 
Thank you very much, Christy Golden Girl Power. Here we go. Away we go. You know, we talked about this in her, in her book last time. And like the sort of pros and cons of it, right? Sometimes you lean too heavily into explicitly saying girls rule, boys drool. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, there's so much of the opposite throughout, throughout, what do you, what do you call books? Literature? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> this particular medium. <laughs> The history of books. Huh? <laughs> there's so much, you know, there's so much of the opposite throughout yeah. the history of books, which is women suck and watch us save them. Mm-hmm. So, like, if she is sometimes a little bit heavy handed about it, like in this particular scene of this newscaster being like, little known fact about Deveronian females, they're smart and run the whole shit. <laughs> the men are idiots and they give the whole population a bad name. That's fine. <laughs> right. It's all good. But it's, uh, it's, here comes the girl power, you know? Let's get it started. Here we go. That's great. Oh, wait. Pump the brakes on the girl power, because Jaina walks into Jag's office, asks for a favor, and sits in his lap. Yeah. Um, girl power. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying you're not allowed to sit in your boyfriend's lap, mm-hmm. but I would like to see her approach from more of a position of equality than... I have to ask for a favor, walk across the room, and sit in, crawl across his desk and sit in his lap. Mm-hmm. I, listen, man, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it seems, that seems very immature. Yes. <laughs> or or it seems very, out of, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like Jaina to me. And no. to have her to go sit in somebody's lap is so infantilizing for such a powerful woman yeah i feel like she she should always be playing in my head always be playing from a position of power at all times yeah and if not if she is at a disadvantage the answer isn't crawl into his lap and say please like Mm -hmm. "Mm, didn't love that yeah you're smart talk it out that's me being nitpicky i didn't love that but you know girl power I bet you we're going to get a lot of it. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it because we complained about not having enough of the women across the path book and all the books, to be mm-hmm. honest, right? So, girl power. By the way, this is where it comes up in the notes, but as I've mentioned several times already through the podcast, have you noticed how specific Christy Golden's references to past events have been? In just the first three chapters, we have... The story of Abeloth and the Maw. Mm-hmm. Luke refers to the Yang Ti and and them uh, the riddle that they told him to get through the Maw. Yep. The specific riddle, right? She talks about Leia and uh, the animal show. Jag's like, oh, that's how they got the pet Nexu, yeah, the Angie Nexi. for Alana. It's just it stands out. Yeah. So boldly in comparison to the last book. And. And that's not really a fair measure for the previous book because obviously there were extraneous extenuating circumstances yeah. that, I don't know, had some sort of effect on the narrative. And is but this is so is this detail clear? So so clear and so like bringing back old books because the of last that book, book was so disconnected and because she already knew that the book was because all he wrote stalled. it so early. Yeah. And he so wrote she it, had to tie it in. Right. So like our assumption, my assumption, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Well, is that, okay. So book one, two, three, we go, Aaron, Christy, Troy. 
Mm-hmm. Book four is Aaron, and it doesn't connect very well to the first three. Meaning, he... More specifically, book four doesn't connect to book three. Meaning, he wrote book one and book four before book three is finished. Yes. And so, between book two and five, maybe it becomes, yeah, more of an editorial uh, choice to be... to you know, strengthen that connective fabric and like really make it stand out and really hammer home the details of it. Maybe. Maybe Maybe that's why this book's as long as it is. (laughs) I thought that too, actually, at one point when I was writing this down. I was like, I bet you there's a solid 15 pages of just uh, back history set up. Little bits here and there, but adds up. Yeah. But it stands out so much compared to the last book and I'm loving it. Oh, absolutely. Normally, okay, to... Bring it again back to one of the only other book series I've ever read and haven't finished it yet. The Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. Many of those books start with very slogging, difficult to get through recaps of previous events where it's just, I don't know the difference in the layout, the difference in the delivery, but it's like, it's, it, it's hard to read through and you're like, wow, I can't wait for chapter five. You know what I mean? This is just done so differently. She, this right, this is like, this is superb level writing. Yeah. It feels like, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I don't actually know. Okay. But it feels that not way. critics, but this, nah, we like it. We're not even critics. No, we just like these and want to talk about them. We're and not, sometimes we bitch about the things that we don't Sometimes like. we can be critical, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but that's about as funny as I, I get. Know, yeah. Maybe that, maybe that ended up being like a, a publisher mandate or a, or an editor's choice, or I like to think that it was her idea. Yeah, that it was her, her just being like, her being you know like, what? man, that last book felt disconnected. Let me make sure this one brings everything back together yeah. in the beginning of the book, on purpose or not, or if this is just the way she normally writes. Mm-hmm. Cool, but she's doing this early book recap of previous events very well. Yeah, and she's not tying in specific events so far from the last book, but she's even bringing up that Vistar was sending and, stuff to and the And it's Sith mentioned and, like, oh, she saved Luke Skywalker's life. Yeah. Like that, there's that one specific... Yeah, there's not a lot of specifics coming out of book three, or sorry, yeah. book four. Four, yeah. And uh, you're right. But the previous three books and the last series, she drops connections from that a lot. Mm-hmm. Even all the way back to the last series, back to Fate, uh, Legacy of the Force. Yeah great it's great and i'm loving it and it's just it's it's very stark yeah. compared to the previous book whatever happened with that one i don't know we don't know but back to jana's favor for jag <laughs> her favor her request is get to Heary, a good lawyer please mm-hmm. uh the first lawyer was barred by the special jedi court judge because Tahiri is not a jedi so why is Tahiri in special Jedi court carrying on? <laughs> the, sec- <laughs> the second lawyer was like, yeah, listen, I'm not good enough for you. You need a better lawyer. So she's kind of been stuck in limbo while she's been arrested. Yeah. Please, please, Jag. Please get Tahiri a useful lawyer. You know people. <laughs> and as much as I hate Jaina constantly crawling into Jag's lap, I do like this. He opened his eyes and looked down at her and his breath caught for a moment. She was smiling gently at him, her face soft, her eyes warm. It wasn't an expression most of the world ever saw. She reserved it for family and for him. 
and it was as rare and as lovely as a crate dragon pearl. At this moment, she wasn't the sword of the Jedi, or the daughter of a perhaps too famous couple, or the woman who, at the cost of ripping up her own heart, had slain a Sith Lord who also happened to be her twin. She was just Jaina now, open and vulnerable. He felt his own heart soften to look at her and lifted a hand to tenderly brush away a stray lock of dark hair from her forehead. That is a billion fucking thousand million percent times better than crawling into his lap and asking for a favor. Yeah. Mind you, if she's not in his lap, you don't have that, whatever, whatever. That closeness, yeah. But that is, that is well-written romance, man. Yeah. That is her going, what is special about Jag and Jaina's relationships? For sure, her vulnerable moments. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she is the sword of the Jedi. She is an ace pilot. She's the face of the military sometimes. She's a fucking hard, badass woman in the galaxy. Yep. And then as as stupid as it feels to have her just crawl into his lap, having this moment of him being like taking stock of how beautiful she is, how much he cares about her, how special it is that they, she cares about him and they have these moments that nobody else gets to see her like this, you know? Mm-hmm. That's fucking beautiful, dude. As yeah. much as I hate, she crawls across his desk and into his lap like a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is nice. This is two shots of, of, of well-written romance already in the beginning of this book. Yeah. And I'm like always like, I don't want romance in my <laughs> stuff because yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You know, but this it's, is it's nice. those it's those little not really overtly like not. Like kissing not this sappy, and, and all it's not, this. It's it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not like explicitly yeah. physical. Yeah, it's the it's the rare moments that you don't see, like like people from Jaina, or things from Jaina, and like Ben and his like he gets the things like oh she's cute, but right. the the that slight physical contact. It's and there's a difference too between like Vistara's talking and Luke's like or not Luke. <laughs> <laughs> the star is speaking and Ben says something about like uh, when she finished speaking, she closed her full lips and, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's an obvious, there's a, a broad distinction between paying attention to the detail of somebody's lips and you write that in there, which mm-hmm. is subtle. That's like, that's from Ben's perspective. You know, it's not forced perspective. Mm-hmm. That's well-written compared to, I don't know. Even the previous book where they're like, she's hot enough to get a ship for free. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. We don't, we don't need to overtly sexualize or overtly physicalize somebody's uh, romantic possibility or capability. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just Ben looks at her and when she closes her lips, he doesn't think she closed her lips. He thinks she closed her full lips. Like that is, that's, yeah. That's just, that's great writing. And it took one word. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the scene between Jaina and Jag, minus the crawling into his lap, baby shit. It, this is intimate. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's character oriented. Yes. It's him looking at Jaina Solo, the character, not Jaina Solo, the fine ass woman. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Jaina Solo, the person who like, what, what? Like he said, is the sword of the Jedi, daughter of two famous people, two, two famous people. Yeah. The the woman who had to murder her twin brother, Sith Lord, like these details of Jaina's character 
are what make the intimacy. Yes. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's. I. I'm. I'm having. I have all these points written down, mm-hmm. but I'm like speechless about them. I don't really know how to analyze it or what to say about it. Just it good. <laughs> you know, thumb up. I don't. I don't know. It, it, even even. Yeah. It's just. It's just. It's good. The scene was good. The romance between them was good. It, we got connective tissue from the past in that little. Uh, segment that I read mm-hmm. we get good information exchanged between the two of them about what's been going on with Tahiri or whatever and then we cut to cell 2357 Galactic Justice Center Coruscant but the location heading isn't all caps and is the same font as the regular text mm-hmm. not important just weird <laughs> and kind of threw me off. So I was like, this is not what the normal heading looks like. Our normal location break. But our, but here we go. It's it's We're in the cell block. Yep. It's Tahiri time. She's in her cell. 2357. Whatever significance that number has. She's missing her grass floor department. Yeah. She's contemplating how nothing is black and white. And remembering in detail... Again, detail her murder of Gilad Pelion. Yeah, and her remorse over it. All the way back to the last series. Mm-hmm. Just like we cut all the way back to the last series when we were just talking about Jaina. That was five books ago that she killed her brother. Two and a half years ago. And this is seven books ago? Yeah. Something like that? Yep. I think she killed Pelion in Book seven or eight. Seven or eight, yeah. But details along with it. Not just to hear you going, yeah, oh, yeah, I killed that guy and I feel bad about it. She's mm-hmm. she's remembering it going I had to I had to use the force to override the locks to get into the room. I came in and pointed my gun at him. He refused my order cuz that was the right thing to do and I shot him point blank. Like itemized details which is, you know, very much a uh I don't want to say hallmark, very much a sign of of traumatic uh distress. Yeah. Is that, you know, the the details become itemized and almost detached. But she gives us the details of that experience mm-hmm. and not just say a dark mystery in the mall. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck? Yeah. What a difference. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels so good. Okay. So just one more time. The detail callbacks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Very well used tool at the beginning of this book in a writer's toolbox. You know? I think there's going to be a theme. About the details that no she's... Yeah, I think there's going to be a thing. We're three chapters in. Or, like you said, this is just her recognizing that my the beginning of my book needs to bring all four books back together with the previous nine. Yes. And not be as disconnected as the last one felt or, or whatever. Or whatever, yeah. Whatever the motivation is, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Sorry. I'm just it's pretty fun. good. Anyways, back to Tahiri and her cell. We are two days post Jaina and Jag favor, and here comes a new lawyer. Aramuth Buatu. A very fancy old gentleman coming out of retirement to be Tahiri's lawyer, and also the uncle of Dala's admiral boyfriend, Nek Buatu. We saw them banging furry boots. Last book, 
Knock. Oh, you're supposed to say knocking boots. Kind of, kind of missed the level of the metaphor there. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we saw, you know, they had a, sl- a little sleepover yeah. <laughs> a book or two ago. She was asking, uh, asking Admiral Boatu for advice for his personal opinion on her decisions. And yeah, well, now well, they're having dinner to hear his lawyer is his uncle, his undefeated lawyer, uncle coming out of retirement who would never come out of retirement to take a case unless I was going to win it, darling. And that's yeah. totally how I, I pictured him. Old Southern. <laughs> yeah, old Southern I'll tell you what, I yeah. would not come out of retirement if I thought I was going to lose. <laughs> now, sit down and tell me everything. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. He's, he's got that fancy Southern gentleman. He's got the sure. hat on, too. Yep. Sits between his ears. Yep. So he's got a cane. It's yeah. great. And the whole time that he's talking and like, appearing making his first appearance and you know he's getting settled in and stuff tahiri is trying to not get her hopes up but she can't help it Mm -hmm. because this man is written with tremendous charisma and it's almost all achieved through a uh his high propriety coolness and fancy get up and outfit that he's wearing and the second way that it's accomplished is through tahiri's subconscious reactions Mm-hmm. where she's listening to this guy talk and she's like, oh, she felt her stomach tightening with excitement or she felt a prickle of hope up the back of her neck. Like all of these involuntary, that's a word I couldn't yeah, think of when yeah. I was writing my notes, all of these involuntary, involuntary autonomic responses, which are pure. Yes. She sees this guy and she goes, oh my God, I have a chance to win. Yeah, even though she doesn't want to feel like that, and and it's it's good to write those little things in because th- not only are they pure and emotional, they're universal. Yes, it's so endearing to the character. It's so informative of her motivation. Like, yeah, she doesn't want to feel good. She wants to feel bad. She wants to punish herself. Yeah, because she knows what she did was wrong. She knows she did a lot of bad things, and she's not trying to pretend that she didn't. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to get her hopes up about getting uh, getting acquitted in the trial either because she knows that everything is stacked against her and Dala is purposely trying to bury her mm-hmm. as a, a a public display after she tried to charge Nyathal and mm-hmm. Nyathal took her own life. And now said, screw you. Bye. Now it's on to Tahiri and I'm looking forward to this lawyer. I just, again, okay, chapter one, amazing. We get a little chit chat. Between Luke and Ben and Vistara, her dad comes over. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Chapter two, Luke's talking to Lando. It's the best Lando I've ever had. Ben and Vistara are, are having a, a salad lunch. It's goddamn adorable. Okay, chapter three, Jaina and Jag have amazing intimacy moment. Romantic, uh, um, intellectual intimacy type of moment. And yeah. she crawls in his lap. That's kind of fucked. But amazing, you know. Chapter four. Chief of State's office, Coruscant, where Dala wanted Tahiri to be her double agent spy on the Jedi, it turns out. But she refused to be that person again. And that's a little note that is, again, character-driven information that just makes Tahiri richer. Yes. Fuller. Dala tried to flip her in, in exchange for freedom, or whatever, or lesser punishment. And Tahiri... Having already betrayed the Intedi... The Intedi? <laughs> the Intedi Jedi Order. 
after already having betrayed her, the entire Jedi Order, she's not going to do it again. She made that mistake once when Jason tempted her with memories of Anakin and happier times and mm-hmm. connection that she missed. And she's not going to make the same mistake twice. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, her her true wanting to do the right thing. For the right reasons. Yeah. Or maybe selfish reasons. But, yeah, do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, just do the right thing. So, she refused that. She doesn't want to be that person again. And now we're in her office, Dala's office, with Wynn Dorbin telling her about her level... <sighs> telling her, Tim... <laughs> yeah. Not even going to put a marker in it. It's too many. Telling her about her lover's uncle being being Tahiri's lawyer. He implores her to move Tahiri's trial back to regular court, out of special Jedi court. And we get more detailed past narrative connections. As as Windorvan and Dollar are sitting there just thinking about all the ways that Tahiri got here and all the ways that Dollar got here. Talking about how when she first took over the government, what she was doing was trying to solidify uh, unity first. And then she started attacking the people who she thought were threats to the government. Mm-hmm. Talking about exiling Luke. Talking about arresting Dahiri and, and, and charging Nihethal. More details, more connection, more just the world is full and don't forget it. Yeah. You know, a lot has happened and it's all led us to this point in, in various ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So he tells her, and, and and I love it when he told her, we talked about this just before off of Mike. I love it when he told her that uh, it was Buatu <laughs> was the yeah. lawyer. She likes, she's taking a sip of her tea and she pauses and she says something to the effect of, you're kidding me, right? Yeah. And when Dorman, of course, I assure you, I would never jest about such a thing, you know? great that was a great again little character detail where if you know you know you know and that's the moment where she tells when dorvin you know i'm quite close with admiral Nekbuatu, his nephew and if you know from the previous books that's a fun little bit where she pauses with her teacup if you know dala is an unstoppable force and you stop her in her tracks to her teacup <laughs> yeah. with one little piece of it. Yeah, yeah. Mentioning a name, yeah. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good character-driven stuff, man. And again, this scene I thought was superbly written. Mm-hmm. It's just the two of them chatting about... The goings-on. General politics and what to do about Tahiri specifically. But the way that it's written, there's just... There's the connective tissue. There's a little bit of current exposition, like a little bit of telling us what's going on right now. But it's all based tightly around the dynamic between Dala and Wynn Dorvin. Mm-hmm. It's all all of the information that we're getting or all of, all of the uh, expo- exposition that we're being told, the things that were being told at us mm-hmm. are just done so neatly within the two of these people. True to their character and true to the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. Where Windorvin is one of the only people who gets to tell Dala that he doesn't agree with her. You know, yeah. and he does it to a certain point, but he never pushes it too far. And he's he's thinking about while well, you know, while they're talking, he's thinking about how, well, if she wouldn't have done this, we'd be this, and if we do this, this is where we're like it's 
uh, it's all very grounded in the two characters. Yeah. And so it doesn't feel like sloggy exposition. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird kind of like, because it's just the two of them and it's very focused on the two of them at this point. Cause they're yeah. the only ones in the room. They're talking, but it's also concerning the, everything that's going on around. So it's a weird, like laser focus, but with like a bride, broad yeah, scope to it. It's got that, um, that kind of dichotomy to it. Where it's, yeah. It's two, two very important people, but only two people sitting in a room tr- talking about the scope of the entire galaxy. As we get more info, like for example, there's, Local insurrections popping up across the galaxy with sort of a focus on slavery. Also, when Dorvin has been having lunch on the temple steps with Raynar Thol every day, <laughs> which is interesting. And the things, again, when Dorvin connects us back to Raynar Thol's past, talking about how he became a joiner and he invaded Chiss space and blah, blah, blah. Like, just... Yeah telling us things that make everything connected and maybe that feels so good because the last book felt so insular yeah. so disconnected yeah and and just the amount that she's going back to connect this is even further back exactly <laughs> this man. is like this 10 is 12 books yeah ago. this is or no what are we on this is the fifth this is Fifth, nine, four. This is like seventeen to seventeen books ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And again, it's like all it's it's all fan service. Yeah, but yeah. How much of it is going to inform the current events? Why is Win Dorvin having lunch with Raynar Thol every day if Raynar Thol isn't going to be an important piece? Mm-hmm. Right. Why are we filling in his backstory if he's not going to be an important piece? Why are we filling in all of these all these sort of back catalog of, of events if they're not going to pay off in the future? Yep. Which is kind of the whole point of the fucking book series to begin with. Why make a nine book series if book four doesn't connect to the first three? Yeah. So hammering these connections home throughout the first four chapters of this of this book. And I love it. It's very well written. It's I just I can't say enough good things about it right now. Yeah. After fe- maybe it's also because I feel so bad about saying so many bad things in the last <laughs> book, so many negative things. So we're coming off of, off of one of our one of our most negatively negative. criticized books that we've done out of fourteen. Yeah. The most negatively criticized, and that's not how I want to do this podcast. That's not what you want to do. No. That's not the sort of Star Wars fans that we are. But nonetheless, you come across that sort of disjointed mess and you have to say you have to call it what it is yeah there was a lot that we liked about that book but it felt so disconnected from the greater story yeah and here we are getting steeped (laughs) in all of that back knowledge you know that that's going to inform the events of now also when dorvin gets promoted cut to (laughs) clatooine not clendathu where a 16-year-old boy named Ben has wishes. He wished he could just talk to her like a regular girl. He wished he could trust her. He wished she weren't Sith. A lot of wishes for that little 16-year-old boy, huh? Yeah. And I kind of got goosebumps just reading that. It was like such a simple, honest, 
evocation of his feelings. And he only has to wish for one of those things, and that would compound. That's right. Impact you're right. Others. You're right, right. Just wish for the not being a Sith three times, and you're good. If she were not the opposite of a Montague, Capulet. Aha! Thank you. Or is I might even have the <laughs> the last names mixed up with the first names, but if only she were not from the forbidden family. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, how classic is that? Uh, what's a better word for trope? I should like look up a fucking thesaurus every once in a while. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you pull out some words that I, <laughs> that I sit here and I'm like, uh, huh. And you're like tentacular, huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word. <laughs> Anyways, Ben has a lot of wishes, man. And this is working for me. I'm digging the possibilities of, of these two interacting with each other and falling in love with each other. If that's, what's going to be, I, I mean, it, it's pretty heavy handed through the beginning of this book with the two of them looking at each other longingly. Vistara's dad tells her, I can, I can tell you like him. Yeah. They touch fingers. And then Ben's like, God, I wish, I wish, I wish. Yeah. You know, it's, it, <laughs> there's no more there's no more illusion about what's happening anymore there's no more there's no more trickery about will they won't they will they won't they these two are being paired up romantically yeah but it's fine for that to be obvious because there are so many possible outcomes so many unknowns that are going to affect the simplicity of this two-person relationship there, there already are so many factors in place to for them to consider that change and and disallow so many things and then what happens over the course of this alliance with the sith and the trip into the maw how are these two going to grow closer how are they going to grow more distant how are they going to grow more suspicious of each other and how are they going to grow more in love yeah it's because it's going to be a little of everything yeah and it's very it's a very complex relationship and that makes it very exciting you know as I swear to God, if she crawls into his lap, I will fucking puke. <laughs> There's no because way. Because she would never do that. Never. But neither would Jaina four books ago either. Yeah. At the time of the last series, when she's training with Jag and Zek, you know, uh, sharpening the end of her Mandalorian training, training with Jag and Zek, kicking their asses all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let me see her climb into someone's lap. That would be yeah. the fucking day. Well, dude. maybe killing your brother broke her inside, and that's, oh, that's why I mean, she does that now. It's fine. It really is fine, but it's it's just an infantilizing show of intimacy. Yeah, it could have just been, you know, she pulls she pulls a chair up next to his desk and sits down and puts her hand on his hand or his leg or or like she comes over and hugs him from behind while he's sitting. Anything that doesn't put her in his lap as like yeah. This, weird distortion of power yeah this weird subservient yeah and like little it's even grosser because she's asking for a favor mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's not how Jaina would get what she wants no even from her boyfriend honesty and directness is almost always her jam <laughs> yeah that's how she goes but between between back to ben and vistara <laughs> yes i am so excited for the dynamic possibilities of the relationship it's just there's so much there to write about yeah, and there's so much going on in the direction, the directions it could go, yeah. that reading this series through for the first time myself, that's right. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I don't even have a guess. Hey, guess whatever you want. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. 
Because what I remember of the ending, guess whatever you want. <laughs> You'll never guess, because I never did. You didn't even know it was the goddamn Sith that showed up in the last book. No, I didn't. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's just so exciting between the two of them. And to be honest, the two of them, I don't remember where they stand at the end of the series. So, like, like I've said to you, I remember, I think, two things. Something that Luke does and maybe something else. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because as we've talked about before, like, I must have blown through those books. I must have yeah. just read the piss out of them in a, in a speedy hurry and not, you don't absorb like you do with this four chapters a week mm-hmm. stuff. Anyways, anyways, back to And Denim it's Vista. been a minute since you read them too. I know. It has been. Well, mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah. And it's been a long 10 years. From from 20 to 30 is a long time, kids. <laughs> yeah, a lot could happen. So Ben has wishes, but uh, but uh, here we are on Klaatuine. In orbit around Klaatuine, in fact. Turns out, there's a lot of shit going on here. Uh, number one, slavery. Did we just mention that in the last chapter? You betcha. The Klaatuinians are dog people. They're older than the old Republic. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're dog people. In eternal service because of a contract that they signed to and with the huts. <laughs> yes, I I just a vague contract that set no end date yeah. to their service. Just, you know, you you serve us. Sign the deal. And they signed the deal, and we're going on twenty five thousand years. Yeah. Hey. And they are honorable that, people. That's a strong contract. <laughs> yeah. They're honorable and won't break the contract. Tim, they're loyal dogs. Yes, they are. As dog people might be. But here we are at Klaatuin. The team is waiting for Lando's special tractor beam mm, ship yeah, to show up. Rock whatever. Rock hounder. It's a good time to resupply before we head into the Maw. It's like we're going into oblivion. This is our last chance before we cross... The line that you can't come back from, you know? Once mm-hmm. we go inside those black holes, there's no supplies to be had. So here we are at Klaatuin, and we're going to stock up on stuff in a place that's got some sort of racial slavery thing going on because we just talked about how there was insurrections popping up all over the galaxy about that. I'm sure this place will be a stable spot <laughs> to resupply and head on our way. Also, there's a special fountain in the desert. That Ben and Vistara are definitely not going to have time to check out when they go resupply by themselves. Luke is not going. He's going to send Dion Stad, our Jedi watch out from the previous <laughs> book, who I didn't know was with them. But he was. He was written in to be with them. Yeah. Like, that is kind of a, a between books retcon where it's, it's a very light retcon. At the end of the last book, we were just focused on Ben and Vistara and Luke. Taking off the uh, the Jade Shadow, leaving Dathomir. Oh, I'm struggling with planets. <laughs> you know, but it does make sense that Dion Stad, now with a ship, which was Vistar's other, whatever, he's leaving at the same time. They all get kind of buckled into the same thing, and Luke's like, hey, we need your help. And who says no to the Grandmaster of the Jedi when you wanted to be a Jedi? So. Yeah, especially when you just fought with him. And saved his son. Yeah. But they definitely won't have time to go see that fountain because Luke said so. No, sir. We are not going to go to the fountain. But I'm excited, Tim. This has been, this has been so good. How about you, man? It's been, it's been a ride, for sure. This has been 
I don't know. One of the best feeling opening four that we've had. Yeah. Like this, starting this book, and, and we talked about it for weeks because we have a week in between where we do the review and preview. 60 page start. Mm-hmm. The first four chapters of the book, 60 pages, that's a thick. <laughs> it's usually 40, 45. 60 is thick, but I blew through it in, in taking notes as well. Like I read it quickly and it was satisfying it felt so good these first four chapters felt good to read mm-hmm. i'm so excited about the rest of the book sith and the jedi going after abeloth dala's boyfriend's uncle ben and vistara jaina already getting shit done i'm loving it how much find out next week <laughs> when we cover fate of the jedi book five allies Chapters 5 through 8. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.